0: Yo, it's Alex Terranova, and welcome to Flip the Lens, where Brie Holland, London Papa Michael, and myself smash down the walls of perfection, performance, and looking good to dive face-first into deeply vulnerable and personal conversations where we expose and explore what it means to be authentic and how to succeed in a world desperate for a facade.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Flip the Lens. It's your host, Brie. We've got Alex in London. Good morning, guys.
2: Good morning. What's up? I got
1: to put myself in the in the chair of being grilled this morning, I suppose. Um, we wanted to take just an, an opportunity to get to know each one of us deeper. So it's my turn to get rapid fired upon. So <laughs> if we want to dive right in, see how this goes.
2: <laughs> What's the toughest part about being a mom?
1: Oh my gosh. Well... To start off, there's definitely more than one thing. Um, But me personally, and I get this a lot, is like, oh, it's so nice to be a stay-at-home mom, right? Because I work from home. So anyone that doesn't know, I've I've been a stay-at-home, work-from-home mom for six years. And I think the hardest part is just being okay with not wanting to be a stay-at-home mom. (laughs) Like, I don't want to screw them up by not wanting to be around them all the time. Um, I don't want them to have that in their subconscious and I'm, I'm in therapy for that, but like, I don't want to screw them up because I don't want to be around them all the time. And I struggle with that so hard, but I am the mom that like never wanted to be a stay at home mom. I wanted to work from home. So I have flexibility and freedom. Um, but I actually work at bust my butt in my business so I can send them to school. <laughs> like, So I think that's a struggle for me and I'm sure there's some moms that can relate to that, but I just, and I think just not wanting to screw it up and knowing you're probably gonna, like just coming to terms with, you know, just there's things you're going to mess up and be okay with that.
0: I think, um, I think I've heard like, not just moms, but like dads, like parents, especially like fantasize about like, if they just didn't have their kids or their partner anymore, it's like moments, right? You're fed up with them and you're just like, oh, I didn't. So if you had no kids or no husband, what crazy shit would you be up to?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I honestly, I feel like it depends. Like, cause if it's 30 year old Brie right now, Brie. Yeah, right depends. now,
0: yeah, yeah, right um,
1: now. I would probably travel more. I think that's something that I've, I've given up a little just because my kids deserve, you know, me to be here. Um, I was wild <laughs> before kids. So I don't know if they, they settled me down. I was 23 when I had my daughter um, my first daughter. And yes, I've got three of them and who knows what's to come for this fourth. But, um, I think that wild streak might be out a little bit more, but I know that it's part of that was like me being really insecure in who I was. And so now I think the self-work that I've put in, I'd probably be a little more tame. I'd definitely travel, but I think that, if I didn't have them right now, I'd probably still want to be doing what I'm doing. I might just be doing it from a coffee shop more often than, than at home, like holding kids. So that's an that's a hard question.
2: What's a childhood dream that you have not done or put on hold because you are a mother and you have a significant other? You're you know in a relationship for a long time now, right? What it, yeah. and is it still on hold will you never do it now because things have changed or do you have plans to make it come true down the road
1: a childhood dream of mine so i think for me something that i really loathed as a kid i was homeschooled and i always wanted to go to school so maybe it's something i live vicariously through my children is sending them to school and having that opportunity and those experiences Um, and for me personally, like growing up, I got to travel. So something that I've put on hold, gosh, I know that I want to write a book and that's kind of like a recent thing, maybe this past year, but that's not childhood. So I, I, you know, I've honestly, in the past six years of entrepreneurship, I've gotten to do so many things. I've gotten to go to the UK. I wanted to go to London and that was like kind of a bucket list thing that I got to knock off three years ago. Um, and I honestly feel like so many people when they have kids, and we heard this a lot, Erin and I, when we had our first, we heard this time and time again was that like your life is over. So I think a childhood dream for me, um growing up, like I got to travel, I got to experience a lot. Um, and I think for so many people, we heard when we had our first daughter. Like your life is over. And I think in so many ways, Erin and I were like, oh gosh, here goes. We're going to just be stuck at home with a child. But we have made a conscious effort to continue doing the things that we really see as important and want to do despite having kids because we want them to see that their life isn't over and they've enhanced our life so much. But I don't think there's one thing that we haven't chose to do as a couple. Um, or things that were important to us before kids or from childhood. I think expenses, money-wise, yeah, I'm not gonna go to Greece and the UK and whatever in the same year, but I think that honestly, we are still living and doing the things that we wanna do regardless of our children because I want them to see that as they've only enhanced our life and we've made it work with kids. So him and I take trips solo. um, We think it's important to to do things without them, I think people are going to think that I just try to get away from my kids after this episode. (laughs) But, um, honestly, I don't think there's much. Um, the one thing that I want to do is go back to Africa. So I've mentioned like my dad grew up in Africa, um, missionary family on both my mom and dad's side. So, um, I got to grow up there a little bit when my dad taught at a Bible college. And so I have a dream of taking my kids back there. Um, I didn't know as a kid I was going to have kids, but I think, you know, in my teen, like early on, I knew I wanted to go back. I loved that place. It has amazing memories for me. Um, I didn't have the best relationship with my family in my teen years. And I see those times in Africa as like really good, happy, fulfilled times. And so I think like taking my kids back to that place with me would be amazing.
0: I want to, um, I want to transition to something that might be a little like more intense, but it's something that it has to do with your kids, and you have brought it up before. Yeah. So you had a really wild life pre kids. You talked about on this show that you stripped, you did lots of drugs, you were let's say promiscuous in ways that like you look back on that you're not necessarily like that excited about now. Sure. Do you talk? And obviously not now. Your kids are super young. But do yeah. you see yourself like being really honest and sharing these things with your kids at some point?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think part of our stories can mold them. And I think there's a a positive way to share, you know, our past. And for me being super sheltered growing up, I always just wish my parents would share and like, let us be open about things we were experiencing and feeling and wanting to explore. Um, because I don't think it necessarily means that they're going to do the same things, but I think the restriction of don't do drugs, don't have sex, don't whatever. Um, I mean, I don't know if my parents listen to podcasts, they're probably gonna be like, I can't believe you said that. But I lost my virginity when I was 12. Um, and straight up chose to have sex and so I could go tell them that I didn't burn up and go to hell. Like that was my fine, like let me prove you wrong. Like that was my strategy. So I think now as a parent, there is a fear of like, what if my kids turn out exactly the way I did? And so my hope is that they would see that the doors of communication are really open and so in sharing my past if i need to utilize a story like that um i think i wouldn't be opposed to i think aaron and i have always had the open door policy of i if they're going to choose to drink i hope that it's you know in our basement with me having their keys then me getting a call that they're in a ditch somewhere and so i think that drives me into wanting to be open if there's an experience I know I grew up with a dad who was very closed off about his younger childhood teen adolescent experiences and now as a 30 year old we sit and we're very open about them and i every time we sit down and i talk to my dad about those things i'm like man every single struggle i had as a 12 year old as a 14 year old as a 16 year old every single struggle instead of you opening up and saying man I can totally relate because in him sharing something, it was always about don't do it, it's wrong. And so I hope in sharing with my kids these stories that they can see at the end of the day, they're going to make their choices. But I hope they can see and learn like, hey, this is what I did. This is what I get out of it. And this is the pain that occurred or this is what I learned. You decide, but like, I want that open door of communication with them for sure.
2: We're sharing something that, um, personal, uh, have you forgiven yourself or do you feel like you need to forgive yourself of what you did in your past? Is there any judgment towards yourself? Are you do you ever wake up some days and you're like, Wow, you know? And I'm not, I judge you by no means at all again, you know. But do you judge yourself or are you did you judge, ever? I'm gonna judge you though for London, <laughs>
1: <laughs> all the judging from that's, the That's a powerful
2: and- story that I don't think everyone would be comfortable telling the world.
1: I think, oh, it's hard. I think there's, there's a lot of moments that when I start sharing snippets of my story and I go, am I a lifetime, like, is this MTV right now? <laughs> like, And maybe I'm putting um, a joke on something because it is very vulnerable and I don't want to cry, but um, I think the decisions I made, I just wish someone would have said, Brie, you keep breaking these rules and breaking these rules and these rules are to protect you. Like there's so like you have this felt, we all have this, Oh, I shouldn't jump off that bridge without a harness. And I just kept jumping off the bridge time and time again. And I'm like, I keep smacking into the rocks and the only person getting hurt is me. So I think there's a lot of struggle with relationships that I put myself in and, and, and situations that I just, Put myself in that we're super, just self-harming, and so yeah, I think Aaron and I. I think it's one of our biggest struggles in my relationship right now is I do fall back to um, self-confidence issues. Of am I deserving of this? Am I doing enough? I'm probably not enough. So just assume that I'm going to get treated a certain way, and so to speak up um has been something that I've learned to do to to share and that confidence has almost become a roadblock in our relationship because I'm so scared that if I back down that I'm giving in to the old ways and so it's something that Erin and I have to work on is Brie like you're so confident now <laughs> like sometimes in a relationship you still have to back off like yes you're asking for what you need but sometimes there's a give and take in a relationship so I think for me there are moments. It's interesting because last night I told Aaron when you're pregnant like you have the most vivid dreams. Like some pregnant women have vivid dreams and I don't know what it was last night, but I had a dream about someone that I haven't talked to seen whatever in like 10 years. But it was my most volatile relationship and I had a dream last night that we were in therapy together, me and this man. Um And at the end of the week of this therapy session, we were like, good. We were going to leave together. It was going to be great. And I like went to get my stuff and then he was with his ex and I like woke up this morning. I was like, babe, like this is so weird. And he's like, are you struggling? And this whole week, I've just struggled with insecurity with this pregnancy, with having to go to my doctor appointment alone to what if there's no heartbeat, I'm not going to have anybody there. So I think there's this just weird dynamic in my brain still. Um, where I do, I have to fight it off and be like, that's not who you are. It's not what makes you, you. Um, and yeah, there's some things that I'm like, if I could have decided to go back and not be a stripper for sure, I might've tried to get a job at a restaurant or something, but I mean, I think you can't have regrets and I definitely know that everything I went through has led me up to be able to be in a relationship for 10 years to be able to, you know fight through some of those things because I know what it is to to go through that stuff.
0: I want to um I want to follow this cuz I think this is cool and you brought in therapy um and I want to look at it from the the female or woman perspective because that's obviously the perspective you're speaking through. Yeah. But I know personally whether it be in like my personal life or my practice a lot of women who have like just kind of crappy stories to their relationship to sex and their early years and their first time and a lot of them weren't like a straight like rape or molestation they were like you know there probably was a man who shouldn't have done what he did but they were like made a choice to do something just like you did yeah yeah they were self-inflicted but you know if the guy was not a dick you probably wouldn't have you know (laughs) right but um and what I know is that there's like, you seem like you've done a lot of work around it. Like you've done a lot of therapy, you've done a lot of healing work, you work on yourself. And in the experience I've had is a lot of women don't because they don't want to talk about it. There's a lot of shame, right? They, so they kind of, it's like, well, if I just kind of keep that door closed and I don't do stuff like that anymore, maybe it won't come up. I'm, I, I really, I want to hear from you about like what you've gotten from doing the healing work. And like what your advice would be to those women or, and it can apply to men, right. Who are keeping it, but really like your advice that why they would want to open that door and like actually heal those wounds or look at those traumas.
1: You're talking in general or specifically in the sex
0: I'm, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at that. Cause I'm look, I mean, yes. they say it's like one out of every three women has, yes. you know, some sort of, and that's what's reported. So like, it's probably like almost, you know, it's probably a lot higher than that.
1: For sure. So I think, um, I think, I think the hard part is like the pain doesn't really go away. Like when you start bringing it up and I think I said this on an episode, so I'll keep it short, but like when I started going to therapy, it was, it was all this trauma of, gosh, I really let guys just like use me. Like I just, I thought like, if I give them sex, then I'm going to get a hug and everything's going to be right in the world. Like I'm going to feel good and like, great. And when I started going to my therapist, it was like three sessions in, I was like, I honestly feel like there's not one pinpointed problem because I'm like dumping this puzzle out on the ground and I'm not even putting it together. I'm like literally just trying to flip over to see the picture. And gosh, like I can think about experiences that I put my, my family through. I think that's a huge part is like, I have a little sister. London has mentioned his sister and you know. I have an older sister who I didn't connect with, but my little sister was my world. She still is, and the fact as a teenager, I put her in not just like a tough adult situation, but I put her in a situation where I couldn't. I could never take it back. And as a thirty-year-old now, she's a mom, and it's like, it's it's really tough to look at it. And so going to therapy and like working through it, I don't think the pain's ever going to go away from choosing to do those things and putting myself in those situations. And, and like you said, some people, you know, it's rape or molestation and you, you don't, but I mean, I was a 17 year old hanging out with a 30 year old male. Like they, you want to be like, they should have known they should have stopped it. And I, I think for me, that's like the biggest thing is, you know, I do believe in God. I'm like, why would he not just protect me there? Like I, I, I was a child. Um, but I think the healing part is to be able to sit with pain and not let it drown you. And that's kind of what I, I've learned in therapy is I can look at an event and it's vivid and it hurts and it sucks, but then I can learn to go through it, to come to my present. And I'm 30 with these kids and these, you know, this amazing person that wants to protect me and wants to be in a relationship with me. And, you know, I think that the healing took years and it's still going to take years and i think it's still going to be a part of how i react to things to situations i still have situations where i react in a way because of those situations but i think the healing process you have to understand that maybe the pain is going to sit there the pain is going to be there and every time you talk about it and i mean i'm 30 this happened when i was 17 right and and 18 and and you know years ago so when i talk about it yeah i tear up because like that sucks it it doesn't feel good um but i think being able to expose it and being able to share is is my coping mechanism it is a way to say okay i can lay it on the table i can write it out and and breathe through it you know maybe i cry maybe i breathe through it maybe i can kind of have you know that process of then just getting back up and then moving on with my life and i think it's always going to be an open book of of wounds you know hurt hurt people like they have scars, right? And so just because the scar is sealed up and there's no open wound to get infection, I think the scar is still going to show. And so in my battle of trying to get through it, I think that I've come to realize it's just going to hurt sometimes when I think about it, but I don't have to use it in my current relationship anymore. I think it was a thing in the beginning of my relationship that I used as a crutch. Um, You know, I don't want to have sex. I, I feel this way or I'm lashing out because of this, or I was hurt. And I had to learn to let that go so that I could let the person in that really did care about me that I I really could trust. Um, And it's been pivotal moments from year one, year three, year five, year eight, where maybe I've been drunk. Maybe it's been a fight where I've used it too. So I think just being really aware and present of it and saying, I'm not going to allow that to dictate as I move forward. I don't know if that completely answers the question, but I think just, choosing to sit with it sometimes and then being ready to talk about it and then know that you're probably going to talk about it over and over and it's going to be painful.
2: That was powerful. Thank you for sharing. Um, What is something that you're a, I feel like you tell a lot to the world. You don't hold much back. You share a lot of your family and yourself. What's something that you don't share with the world that, you know, maybe it's time to tell them. And it could be something really uh, powerful and meaningful, or it could be something as crazy as you secretly want to be a break dancer. You know, <laughs> what is something you're not sharing with the world?
0: Oh,
1: um, I think people see like this strong exterior of a woman. Like I've got a business, I've got the kids, I've got the good relationship and <sighs> I feel like the whole feminist thing going on right now, and this is not to knock any women or men, um, like I'm women empowerment, but I like I honestly want to be weak. (laughs) Like I honestly want to be known like that it's okay to be a woman. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to have those emotions that aren't like a man's perspective. Like for me, I feel like saying that, you know, I'll get a lot of backlash on social media. Like we are women, we don't need men. And I'm like, I've told Aaron, I'm like, I want you to make the decisions. Like, I want you to be the man. Not that I want to be suppressed or I'm a woman, so I can't handle things, but I honestly want to be taken care of. And I think that that's probably, especially the day and age that we're in, not looked up to, you know, we're supposed to have this stance and I just... I want people to know that like, as a woman, it's okay to want to have that unique, special gift as a woman to feel vulnerable, to feel weakness. Not that that means powerless. I think like weakness and vulnerability are looked down upon and I've learned to lean into my weakness, to have a good cry, to know that like my best posts come from vulnerability. And that doesn't mean that I can't be powerful and I can't be a good role model to my kids. I mean, I shared in my Instagram stories yesterday, just bawling. Like guys, I'm sitting in my bedroom eating Easter candy and I'm bawling. And I think that that weakness is something that I need to work on showing up more and sharing with the world. Um, I think there's pockets of it, but I definitely need to, to have a voice about that more.
0: I I want to, because I think I think this is important. Because I think what you're I get what you're saying, and I think the wor- the language makes it confusing. Where you say like you're going to get hit up on social media, yeah. like vulnerability isn't weakness. Firemen are vulnerable; they can die. Military guys are vulnerable; they can die in battle. They're the most vulnerable. Yeah. Like they're leaving their family. That's actually strength and courage. Like yeah. you can't have vulnerability without strength and courage. They don't exist. And I think when you say weakness, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what you really mean is. Emotions, feelings, empathy, um, vulnerability—the ability to like be open, like like open your like oh op- put your like almost like how a, a dog when it encounters a bigger dog it like flops over and it shows its belly. Yeah. yeah, it's not actually saying kill me. It's like hey, I'm not here to hurt you. Like it's okay. And that um, like is that fair to say? That's actually yeah. what you mean. Yeah, I think, like
1: I don't think I have to be a hard ass to be a badass. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think everybody sees this tough exterior and I do, I do handle situations and I'm very like poised in, in difficult things, but it's kind of like, that's almost not what I want. Like I want people to see that I cry. I want people to see that, you know, that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. I would agree.
0: I hear you saying like, you want the fullness of a human being. Cause yeah. I think London and I, like, I know there's times, where you know as a man like you actually want somebody to like who's got you and it's tough because you're yeah. you we have like we're men right like who can yeah. who's, gonna hold, to who's gonna hold who's gonna hold who's going hold us yeah. and and that's actually I remember you know once like after a really bad breakup like coming to my parents' house and being like just wanting my mom to like hug me and hold me because yeah. if that felt okay and safe like without being judged. Yeah. Um but yeah thanks for clarifying because I think people yeah. like the, the word weakness is such a like has so much like tied to it. And yeah. I didn't think that's what you meant, actually meant.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's spot on.
0: Um, I wanna know about um, your tattoos. And I wanna know about, I have a lot of tattoos also. I don't know if London, I don't know if you have any, but I don't have kids. And I always wonder like, you know, my parents don't have tattoos. So for me, it was like going against something and you have a lot of them. <laughs> and your kids obviously don't like is, They probably
1: would if it was legal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the, you know, do they ask questions? They're super young, but like, do they ask questions? Do you, how do you talk to, how do you talk about tattoos with your kids? And what about like your kids' friends? Like what do their parents say about it or whatnot?
1: (laughs) So, um, you know, I mentioned I was homeschooled. So our oldest is now in school and she's at a Catholic school. So I don't know if any of those moms are on social media, but I definitely, we toured the school and my first question to her was, hey, so him and I aren't married and we're totally okay with that. And like I'm very non-traditional, so like I'm not required to go to mass, correct? And I'm probably going to wear short sleeves when I pick my kid up. Like those were things that I was like, I'm fine with her being around religion and and being understanding of that. But I also like know the judgment that can come in certain situations with that group or that, you know, I don't want to clump anybody because there's, I've met so many amazing moms and I've been welcomed into that community. So I, I think we picked the right school, but I think that my tattoos, like I think there's a difference in getting piercings and tattoos out of rebellion and then as a way to express yourself. So when I was younger, my parents were like, you can't get piercings because they saw it as feeding into breathe a rebellious kid. And it was allowing that rebellion to feed and fuel and stoke that fire. Um, But like my parents love them. I I think they don't understand them. And I think that we see very like non eye to eye on a lot of things. But I think they see that it's out of a creativity manner now. And it's not out of rebellion of God or, or, you know, tearing down my temple. (laughs) Like they see it as like, okay, it's an art form. And for me, I don't know. People are like, are you going to regret them when you're old and you're wrinkly and they're faded? And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I don't even notice they're there half the time. And like, my grandpa had a tattoo and I don't think he even realized it was there. Like, um, he was a badass. Like, he was, you know, lied about his age, was in war. And like, I look up to that. Like, I see that as like honor and like love it. I've just said like 20 times and I just noticed it. But um, I think my kids, they ask questions. And my oldest wants tattoos, but she's terrified of needles. So we'll see. <laughs> she goes, Can I get those? I'm like, absolutely. But you know, here's here's what so it is. And she goes, Oh, I don't think I want those. <laughs> so. so you haven't
0: you haven't had any like, mo- like other parents or moms or dads been like said, like their kids can't be around your kids because you and Aaron are like the wild parents or you know, anything like that.
1: Not yet. I think we've got a few in our neighborhood that maybe <laughs> That maybe don't necessarily hang out with us a lot um, but <laughs> but not in a mean spirit I think that there's just people that you connect with and other people are just on a completely different level I think that I'm a young ish mom i um, in our community and so I think just there's there's a there's a split understanding of where I'm at uh, I mean Let's Aaron's brother and sister- in- law aren't even on social media. like they don't even understand how we're even bringing in income for our family without working jobs. So I think the tattoos and um you know, dye my hair or whatever are just like an extension of who I am and i I haven't really had much backlash or heat because of it yet., uh, but I definitely feel like we get the look sometimes we showed you know, showed up at pickup and here are my tattoos, and here's my my makeup and my lashes and whatnot, but (laughs) you know, you get the looks, you get the moms that you don't necessarily hang out with, but I don't think anyone's been negative towards it. And I love that my girls like ask about them and whether they get tattoos or piercings or, you know, the way they express themselves. I think it's just an extension of what I want them to, to know that if they're, they're feeling a certain way or want to do something, I go for it. You know, you want to be silly and you want to dance to a song, you know, like do it. They don't know that booty shaking is a derogatory thing or a sexual thing, you know, so same with tattoos or piercings or anything else. I think if it's in a heart of expressing yourself and all that, I, I'm all for it. And I don't think I've gotten too much heat for it.
2: (laughs) What is one thing, your biggest takeaway, biggest thing you learn from each person in your house? it doesn't have to be deep. So let's say the little one made you figure out how to make the best pancakes. I don't know, (laughs) but start with the youngest and then work your way up.
1: So our littlest is Lola and she definitely just reminds me to slow down, take a breath. She loves to just lay on me. And so even yesterday I was having a rough day and I went and laid on the couch and she laid with me and just chattered away. She doesn't say words yet. So just chattered away. And it gave me 15 minutes, slowed my heart down, was like, literally everything is right in the world. We might not have the biggest paycheck this month. We might not have whatever. Um, so she reminds me every time to just laugh and breathe. Um, Penelope is our middle. She's almost four. And she reminds me so much of me growing up. So she reminds me to like stay in check with my, with my parenting abilities. She can get by with a lot. I I give into her a lot. Um, and Aaron's like, gosh, you, you give into her a lot. <laughs> like she's your like the one that you just kind of let get away with stuff. She's your baby, and she really is. But um, she just reminds me so much of me. She just kind of keeps me on my toes with parenting. Um, and then Sophia is our our warrior. She's seven, and she is the one that is afraid to go outside right now with you know COVID going on. She's she's nervous about you know our family and and is she going to go back to the school and is she going to learn enough? And so I think. Um, and Aaron has to remind me of this cause her and I don't connect. We don't click as well. Um, and so he has to remind me to just like to take a step back with her. I'm very hard on her. She's our firstborn. you know, you, you don't know what you're doing with parenting. And she reminds me to just, um, just take everything, slow down and like explain things in simple forms. And it helps me to slow down and put into perspective what's really important. Um, I think same as Lola like she just she has so much joy and I can get really annoyed at that sometimes <laughs> like this is serious and um with that her her grain of salt is um just worrying and so to to be able to calm her and show her like that stress and that anxiety how to channel it um is something that I work on too so we kind of balance each other and help each other through that and then Aaron is definitely the rock like he has taught me I mean, he's taught me a lot about confidence because he's just given me grace and trust and love through everything we just talked about on this episode. I mean, if there's one person that can calm my storm, that can bring me back to reality, that can make me believe there's good in the world and and people that care about me, it's him. And he's always the glass half full. You know, through this whole COVID situation, this whole um, me getting to know myself in therapy. He's just always been the rock of like, we got this. We're going to be okay. Like our paycheck might dip or we might lose our house, whatever it is. But he's always like, we're going to crush this month. We're going to crush parenthood. We're going to crush, like I'm gonna make French toast and those calories aren't going to count because it's Corona going on and you're going to still look great. Like he just is always an uplifter and so just to learn to have a little bit more glass half full perspective is definitely from him, but gosh, they, they are my rock for sure.
2: <laughs> I'm really digging these episodes of the rapid fire. Thank you brief yeah. for participating. Um, ultimately, hopefully you guys listening had a laugh, but more importantly, it allowed you the opportunity to look inside yourselves and learn something and ultimately become better. That's why we talk about what we do is to ultimately share something to try to help you be better and live better. You know, so please like, subscribe, leave a review and share it with somebody you think it would help. Have a great day and thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. It's not easy to create these episodes, but we know it's important. We need more real, open and honest conversations because we know that whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, you're not alone. A life pretending isn't worth living. So please share this podcast with a friend and thanks for listening.